Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And it's another edition of Hoops Adjacent. We start a new season. David Aldridge here in D.C. Marcus, where Marcus, where they they're at home, right? Yes, sir. You know where I am, baby. You, you know, know where you I'm are. at. You know where I be. You gotta start. You gotta start making that commute there in a little bit, don't you? Oh, it's easy. It's easy. I'm right across the bridge. Going into this time of day. Oh yeah, no. This time of day is, is great. It's five. Once you once you hit that okay. four or five, it's all bad. But okay, go easy. Okay, I got you. And our guy Jared Weiss joins us this week. Jared, where are you? Where are you? Where is Boston starting now? Uh, I'm in New York, so just got in at seven in the morning and sat in traffic for two hours. So very authentic New York welcome. There you go. So the the seas are are starting on the road. Is that correct against the Knicks or the or the Nets? Uh, Knicks, yeah, they like opening in MSG. Okay, all right. I am Adam. I am Adam. Hey, I'll read Jared's story. Great story he did on Marcus Smart, um, uh, and his new start down in Memphis. It's out in the Athletic today. Nice, nice piece. Um, but yeah, we got to talk to you about the seas, of course, as they start off, they had the big news all summer, uh, with getting KP and then getting Jeruel at the uh, very end, right before camp. And he just is high on KP, by the way, Jared, just so you know, it's not very high. I've told Jared, Jared knows I've talked to him about it. Yeah. Y'all hating on KP. You'll see, you'll see, you'll see what that big Latvian does this year. <laughs> <laughs> I covered Andres Piedrin, so. Yeah, go. no, no, I'm I'm he's big good. on KP. I think he's going to be good if he can stay healthy. That's right, former wizard. You know the drill. You know the drill. <laughs> no, when I when I was in DC for it was KP's last game. You know, DA was talking about it's like this is the biggest secret in the league. KP's been dominating, no one's seeing it, and uh, I think people will certainly see it now because his team sucked. <laughs> well, that'd be part of it, yeah. <laughs> but he was good. So, Jared, man, we got to you know. As they start, I think everybody kind of expects them in Milwaukee to slug it out over the course of the season. How are they? How are they approaching? We got to have home court in case we face the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, is it a, is it a big deal or not a big deal at all to them? No, I, I think I mean, for one, I think teams are kind of losing focus on home court like it used to be. I think the numbers just kind of bear it out that home court doesn't seem to be quite as impactful as it used to be. I mean, it. According to the athletic survey, the Boston Boston is the best fan, so I guess they would want mm-hmm. it for that reason. But historically, the Celtics, or I guess recent historically, the Celtics have sucked at home in the playoffs anyway, so they're almost better off on the road. But the one thing that's that they have talked about is Joe Mazzulla talked about uh, over the course of this training camp about how he maybe overfixated on trying to get the one seed. You know, he was trying to prove himself last year. That was a pretty clear benchmark for him to hit. 
And so I think this year they're not trying to focus on that at all there. He gave some speech about how it's about just focusing on the process and not even worrying about the results and just saying F it to the actual results. And so I think he's going to probably make it their message of like, let's not standing watch at all this year and let's just focus on ourselves. And then I guess when the playoffs start, we'll find out who we're playing. Jared, man, I don't know about this small lineup stuff. Uh, and obviously, Al Horford is uh, how old was Joe Lewis in coming to America? Hundred seven years old. That's how old how Al Horford is, and, and it makes sense. Obviously, it, it sounds like a great closing lineup, uh, but you know, and I, I feel like Derek White and and Drew Holiday as your defensive backcourt is a nightmare. Uh, but how do you see that working at the at the end of the games? How do you see that like? It just feels like a. It feels like uh, Jason Tatum regularly at four or spending most of his minutes at four might be a problem. Does that catch up to them at the end of games because they're all playing up uh, essentially? I mean, they never close double big all these years that they've actually had never. double big lineups. Yeah. What what team really closes double big? It's pretty. They don't start double big though. That's that's the different. That's where I'm like, is it? They might. I, I think if they're playing a team like Cleveland's or like if they're going against Golden State and it's, you know, Green and Looney out there or Washington with who cares what Washington's doing. They're they're probably gonna adjust at those moments, but My um, God, yeah, Kuz ain't gonna scare nobody, right? Um so <laughs> shout out Daniel Gafford. Uh I, I think that they're probably gonna stay with that smaller lineup. Um I mean the thing is Derek White would make the ideal six man anyway, so it's like they can still get away with doing it that way. I would imagine that they probably would be better off honestly bringing Horford in off the bench just so he can come in fresh later in the game. And then that way, if you want to play him for those crunch time minutes at the end of games, he's accumulated less minutes over the course of the game at that point anyway. So, of course, it gets a little tricky with, like, if he's with the second unit early in the fourth quarter, how do you rest him and then bring him for crunch time? Uh, they can figure that stuff out. But most teams finish the game small. Tatum is... 6'9", 6'10"-ish at this point. He also looks pretty big this year. Like, he looks a lot stronger even than last season. His rim protection has gotten better over the years. He's averaging, like, probably eight or nine rebounds a game in the postseason last few years. So I, I think he does everything that you need a modern four to do. And they're even they're even using him in some pick-and-roll coverages during the preseason. I think they're trying to get him to be an actual big and pick-and-roll so that Porzingis can float around on the baseline, too. So I don't really see an issue with them closing small. You know, um, I'm, I'm very impressed with one thing that Joe Mazzula did. And I think this is something that I always check on coaches to see how how big their stones actually are on some things. You hired a guy that could replace you, right? You hired Charles Lee, who has been the one of the top young coaching candidates in the league for the last several years. And you bring Sam back. To me, it's and, like... And Jeff Van Gundy's hanging around, too. And Jeff Van Gundy as a consultant. <laughs> so you literally spin a wheel. There's a coach that can replace you. <laughs> like, if you start out 7-15, and 15, you, you could be gone by Thanksgiving or by Christmas. You know what I mean? And I, So I respect Missoula for doing that. How much of that was Brad Stevens saying, you must do this if you want to keep this job? And how much of this was Joe saying, okay, I, I, I probably need some help here? 
I, I get the impression it was a lot more of the latter. I mean, Stevens at least publicly did the whole like, oh, it's Joe's call, it's Joe's staff. We all know that's not how it works. Um, you no, know, and, really? Yeah, shock, breaking news, everybody. So, <laughs> there, I mean, there's a legit reason for that. It's not just like the, that the teams want to have some control over the coach. It's also that these teams are scouting coaches around the league too, and coaches don't necessarily know every single coach. Some some teams have guys in their system. Like Celtics have, I want to say like four guys or so that were already in their organization that they wanted to keep around or promote through this whole e- like Stevens Eme then Eme to Missoula thing. So that's a big part of it. But like I, I think Missoula, everything that he's done about his approach so far this season has indicated a sense of like humility and all in a sense of openness. Like he's been pretty he's one been self-critical in a way that he wasn't doing before i think he's more comfortable being vulnerable and he's talked a lot about trying to have a more group approach to everything he he tried to reconfigure the way the coaching staff operates to have what he called more of a tribal council feel to it and he's doing like groupings for different expertise areas rather than having one person responsible for each item so he's trying to be more collaborative and like okay, what do we know that he needs help with? He doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. And last year in the playoffs, he, there were a lot of strategic issues. And he came around on them very late in that Miami series. And a lot of people around the team were like, wow, Joe's actually changing. It was just like when they were down 3 nothing against the Heat, and they probably should have done that earlier. So he needs more help from, I think, Cassell and Lee will be helpful with that. And then especially with communicating with the players, uh, he's really good with that stuff, but like you need another experienced voice that just knows how and when to push the buttons, and that's what Cassell is for. So I, I think Missoula, he got his contract, and he's got a team that clearly can win a championship. Even before the Drew trade, they were well-positioned. And so I think he's looking at it as, I bring these guys in here, I bet on myself, and I'm golden if I win. And once once you win a title, it doesn't matter if you suck at that point. You still hold on to your job for several years. There's a few coaches around the league that are evidence of that. What, you know, when you look at the bench, the the odd part about the Celtics bench is one of the guys who figured to like, you know, this it's your time, man. I'm looking at you, Peyton Pritchard, right? Like, this is, <laughs> this is your moment. This is it. But then, like, they're kind of stocked in his position. Uh, who, who do you see being the, the kind of X factor off the bench outside of, you know, like, if they don't, start Horford and he yeah. obviously he's going to be like a good player, but somebody who probably wasn't in the rotation before coming in and, and, and using this opportunity to kind of take over and be a factor in this, in this rotation. Yeah. I, I mean, Pritchard got his bag. Uh, it's not that big of an extension, but it, I think it was like seven and a half million. So solid money for him, pretty good value for the team. If he actually can step up into his role effectively this year, I think it's going to help him because he, he's like a really aggressive player, but when you're, when you're when you're a high volume shooter and your shooting numbers are going to play a big role on how much money you get paid, it's a little nerve wracking. Now that he's gotten paid, he doesn't have to wor- worry about that and look over his shoulder. I think he's going to play with more freedom, and they need him to be more of a risk taker because he's so small and he doesn't have that. Like he's a quick guy, but he doesn't have the explosion to like change direction and stuff like that super effectively. So he'll drive into the teeth of the defense and then get completely stuck and pick up the ball, and then the offense falls apart. So. They need him to be a more proactive passer, to take bigger risks, take tougher shots. And I think he's probably going to do that more this year. 
And so, and also he gets like a good amount of steals and deflections. And so if he's playing more minutes, you're going to see him make more of those plays. So I think the perception around him is probably going to change it to his favor. I've heard people floating him for six man of the year. Uh, that seems crazy, especially because the Celtics will have one of their six best players coming off the bench. That will be the six man of the year if it's anybody. But like Pritchard's solid. The other guy though is Sam Hauser. They're going to, he's going to be their eighth man. They're going to need to play him a lot. He had some good flashes last year, but just wasn't ready for, like, playoff caliber ball. Um, and he wasn't getting a shot off, like, comfortably, very consistently. Couldn't really put the ball on the floor comfortably. And during the preseason, a lot of that stuff's been good. He's been passing pretty well. Uh, he's been shooting lights out. Like, he's hitting incredible shots. And his defense has definitely gotten better. Uh, teams, like, last year it was he wasn't that quick of a defender, didn't have much physicality. But teams would try to put him on an island, and he would hold up pretty decently. Now, during at least the preseason, we're seeing him being able to, like, make all sorts of reads, chase guys down. Like, he seems to be a much more active defender. So it looks like he's, in year three, starting to take that step forward to being a rotation guy. All right. How I mean, they got to make shots, bro. Like, that's that's really what yeah, it's going to do. How is this Cornet contest? That's the important thing. How is Hauser's Cornet contest? Uh, it's yeah, not as good as Porzingis is, that's for sure. Porzingis has a nasty Cornet contest. I'm yeah, just telling he, you right now. <laughs> He must have read my article early last year because he started doing it by the time I got to town. <laughs> yeah, the Cornette contest, I don't think the data is bared uh, out that it works at this point, but it's fun at least. <laughs> now that, now that Wem- if Wemby starts doing it, that's that when data. you know it's going to be real. Right, right, right. Right, <laughs> right. him and, uh, him and uh, Chet Holmgren start doing Cornette contest. That would be funny. <laughs> um, so I, I won't go back to this this Van Gundy thing because I don't understand that at all. Van Gundy was he just lurking or practice? What's he doing? What's the what's why is he there? And That's why would, literally why would I doing. be comfortable about him being there if I'm Joe Missoula? I mean, like you know, I I don't I, I don't know Van Gundy, so I don't know why he hasn't gotten or taken a job yet. It sounds like he's kind of like flirted with the idea of taking a few jobs. Um, he also he's been off the game for a long time. I mean, I know he's doing the FIBA thing, but like. Like calling games, sure you're you're doing a big part of the job. But like the guys in coaching, like what has it been like 15 years or something like that. So I, I don't know how much of a threat he is to come in. I, I think he's only going to be around the Celtics a little bit here or there. It's not like he's in the building every single day. Uh, coincidentally, so how everyone found out that he was uh, he was with the team was apparently his name was sitting on like the coaches page on the website for a little while. And I didn't notice it because I didn't go to that page. And some right. Redditor found it. And then uh, our colleague B-Rob uh, from, Mass, uh, from Mass Life, he confirmed it. But, like, none of us noticed him there. And then suddenly, as soon as the report came out, all of a sudden he's standing courtside at practice with Missoula. He's talking to Brad Stevens. We're like, did I not notice Jeff Van Gundy was standing there the whole time? I don't know. So I, I think he's going to come in for early season stuff. And then he probably will be, you know, doing whatever he does and then check in again periodically. But... I don't get the impression that they're holding him on as some sort of like backup plan. They already got two backup plans who were actually actively coaching on the bench anyway. This is an important question. This was from the streets, DA. We got to know this. This yes, is, sir. you know, it's from the people. How is Jalen Brown's left hand looking? Oh, oh no. People, people got to turn off the pod right now. <laughs> it can be good. Uh, streets, streets want to know, man. This is, this is what, did you did you see the out. video? Did you see that video yes. that came out? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I feel bad for whoever posted that. They're just like, oh, it's a nice little video of Jalen dribbling, not noticing it. And I mean, 
like uh, this dude puts in so much work on the left hand. I don't know, like crazy work. Like, yeah, oh, I, incredibly hard on this. He, I mean, he does everything from passing drills, finishing drills, dribbling stuff, like a ton of it. I don't know what it is about because you, you look at the way that he loses the ball a lot of the time. It's a, it'll be a weird thing where he's doing some sort of complicated dribble move, and he'll do like a like a through the legs crossover, and the ball just like misses his hand. It's it's just like his like a left hand doesn't have the same feel as his right hand, and I don't know what you're supposed to do to fix that because he's clearly doing all the different things. I don't know if he does like the whole like tennis ball flashing lights like you know uh, blindfold kind of thing and all that, but like he seems to be doing just about all the work that you can do. I mean, Jalen Brown is kind of a maniacal offseason training guy, so. I don't know what the deal with that left hand is. Um, is I it think a thing, it's a, you think you think it's a thing. You think it's it's a thing. Yeah, I don't, say, I don't want to use the you know like call it the yips or nothing like that. But do you think it's a thing where it becomes a thing now because everybody's looking at his left hand and now it's been it's been a thing. I, I don't think it can get worse. Um, it, it can't get any worse. I, I think one. I mean, it could be an injury issue, but two. Um, I I think like he's a really he, he over dribbles. Right, like he he tries to get into his bag. He sometimes likes to slow it down, get the ball kind of crossed, and like you know that like super low kind of dribble uh, stuff like that. Like he, I think he overcomplicates it. And if there's one thing that you can give Jason Tatum credit for, it's like Tatum takes these kind of big wide dribbles. He keeps it simple. I think Jalen, like Jalen's big enough and strong enough that he doesn't have to just kind of like finesse his way by everybody and use his power on the way out. Like he can he can play bully ball too. So I think for him, he's just got to like simplify it. He's got to be more aggressive and physical and not try to spin his way through everything. It's it's crazy that this is this is a thing. Well, it used to be a th- back in the right. old days. This is before yeah. I, you know, before me when they said, well, Lenny Wilkins only goes left. Yeah. <laughs> Stop him. <laughs> you know, so who cares? I mean, it's not who cares. It's like like you said, there's guys, and I think sometimes guys try to justify the people that they hire in the off season to show, look at all the work I'm doing. I'm in the lab all summer, bro. Just play, man. Like, you know, like you're great. You're a great player. You don't need all of, you don't need to over dribble is what I'm saying. Yeah, you're complicating yeah. it. I think I'll say this. I think Beal does that sometimes, you know, and he has to show that he's, he can create and he can, he can, Beat guys off the dribble. Well, yeah, but you got. I here got a bag. By shooting bag, the lights baby. out, and that's how you got here. You know what I mean? Like, don't forget that. You know. So I wonder about that sometimes. It I want me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Monte, uh, Monte Ellis, and uh, Mike Montgomery. Yeah, and Mike Montgomery yeah. was like, "Yo, I can't play a point guard who don't go left." Monte's like, "But nobody can stop me, right?" So. Right. <laughs> Exactly. They call me the Mississippi Bullet for a reason. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> don't complicate this stuff. <laughs> Dude's a bad man going right. Let him go right. It's okay. <laughs> no, but the thing the thing with Jalen though is that he does go left. Like he does finish with his left hand. He actually more of his kind of crazy acrobatic finishes will often be with his left hand. So he he can get to it. It's not like if he just like I remember Draymond Green talking about in the finals how they would just sit on his right and force mm-hmm. him left, and that was the secret to it. I mean, sure, obviously that helps if you can do it the entire series, but like he can go to his left, and you can't just completely take him out of his game going that way. Um, like his fadeaway and his step back and all that stuff, a lot of that's going left because his Man, his shooting pockets on his right side. Though, right. All yeah. we're talking about is like this is not a. Thing it's just a left hand bump. 
it's it's a it's only a thing because it's a thing on a big stage when you're playing against the best defenses who are finding whatever right, right, right. you can and exploiting it. Right. So right. he's had a couple turnovers with the left on a big stage. So it's almost like like it's a noodle, right? That's how it's being treated. Where he can dribble left, he can drive left, right, he has sure, moves sure, left. Sure. But at the highest level, when you're playing for a championship. In game six against a team that's been guarding you and watching film, and they're gonna like, all right, we're gonna make you do this. If he does it nine times, he'll he'll lose it two times. But when he loses it, it's now a big deal because it's a turnover at an important time. So I do think it's kind of like overblown, but also like when you're as good as Jalen, that's what ends up happening. How you yeah. play on those big stages is how you get yeah. regarded. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I disagree. I don't think it's overblown. I do think it's a real issue. I mean, it's a real issue in that, like, he's a big star and he has a weakness. Yeah, 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 not like, yeah. It's no, not I like he's terrible like, at it. It's but, sad that people act like he literally, like, he doesn't have a left hand. Like, right. it's like, he's like, no, he could dribble left. Right. It's just that, like, he's probably he's not, he's not Kyrie. Right. With I don't like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it creates incredible memes and jokes, too. So, like, it's totally yeah, worth yeah. it just for that. But, <laughs> but, but I think the important distinction, though, is that. He does just straight up fumble the ball away, dribbling with his left. That's kind of the that's the only yeah. place where it really is a problem. But like you go back and look at that Miami series, most of the time when he turned it over, he's like dribbling it off his foot or just straight up fumbling the ball away. It's not like deflections. It's not that he doesn't have a move to go to. He just loses the ball straight up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, with with Drew, I don't think we've talked to you about this since the trade. I mean, obviously Philly was trying really hard to get Drew mm-hmm. too. And so did Boston know that? And were they like, we can't let Philly get him. We got to get him. And if we have to give up a little bit more than we would normally, we got to do that. This is just maintenance. This is conference maintenance now because we can't let Milwaukee get, or we can't let Philly become a real contender. If they get, if they get Drew, they're a real contender now, you know? And so we got to stop them from doing that. Yeah. And the fact that they can pounce off of Milwaukee going for Dame and they can take Drew right there because Milwaukee was hoping, oh, we'll get Drew the hell out of the conference too. Right, right, right. Um, right. I I think first and foremost, it was just, it it was a move to get Drew. It was Rob Williams with his health history. And like, of course, he banged knees in training camp and again had a knee issue, which it looks like he'll be healthy to start the season, thankfully. But like between his health concerns long-term and the fact that they have Porzingis now who can do so much of what Williams does on top of everything Porzingis can do. Malcolm Brogdon wanted to be traded. And then the picks that they're parting with, those are like obviously their best picks, but they already have most of their first-round picks at this point because the picks that they already traded away for like Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon, those have conveyed except for a pick swap they have with San Antonio in like I want to say 2028. But so they still they still have a lot of first round picks, so they could dive in with their draft capital and still have draft capital left to draft people or to make moves. So the price that they paid for Drew, it's really it was really just essentially Rob and the value of Malcolm Brogdon, which was going to be huge, and they could afford to get rid of Rob Williams. It was as simple as that, and they hated it. Like he was beloved in that locker room. He does a lot of stuff that very few players in the NBA do with like his size and his hustle motor and his passing vision. Like he's a very very unique player. It's not a lot of guys like him. Um, but like while Porzingis is maybe more of like a textbook standard, and Drew's more of a textbook standard of like a big defensive point guard, they like, they'd rather have that. Like they have, they've always had a lot of unique role players. They needed more guys that are just great on both sides of the ball can do the big stuff that you need to do at the end of the postseason. So I thought it was a no brainer trade first and foremost, but then the, you know, Miami was in the hunt Clippers were in the hunt, like to keep all those teams at bay and make sure that all those teams are clearly a tier below. I mean, 
whatever Miami's roster is, they're going to end up in the conference finals every anyway. So who cares? Uh, like this is just like fact at this point, right? So I, I thought it was a no brainer on both ends of that. The only issue just with Drew is that he's already thirty three. Yeah, he's actually a day older than me, so that's how I know he's almost washed. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Can we, can we talk a little bit about the other team that made the big trade? Uh, how, how, obviously, I, I don't know. Obviously, Miami could end up in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's what they do. But if the script writers of the NBA have anything to say about it, it's going to be, you know, Boston, Milwaukee. Uh, that that matchup, or just how the Bucks team is constructed, it looks like they've got. They've managed to get a superstar without sacrificing their bench. Like, how do you see what they were able to accomplish? Obviously, getting Dame is was good enough to get uh, Giannis to sign a, a max deal, right? <laughs> but how do you think they managed that whole situation and, and, and keeping what they kept and, and building like a roster that could actually contend? I mean, it's crazy that they had to give up so much, so little around the edges of Drew. I think it's it's been interesting to see that. Most of these big trades, teams don't seem to have to deplete their bench 
I guess because of the value of first round picks and you can just have one guy. It's, it's actually, it's good for the super, uh, superstar trading era that teams can trade for a superstar and then their bench isn't completely destroyed. I guess Boston's probably the one team that really had to tighten their depth and, you know, they had a couple guys that could step up at least, but their depth was like the one that took the biggest hit out of all those teams out there that made big moves. But I mean, it's a no brainer with Dame, right? Cause it's like, you have the perfect, it's like, you know, those like, those, uh, those like heart, necklaces with like the yeah. jagged break in the middle. It's like Giannis and Dan were just perfect fits together right there. Yeah, it's like you're giving <laughs> Yeah. It's like you're giving analogy. I really like yeah. that Well they're gonna make they're gonna run adorable pick and roll offense, right? I mean it's gonna be <laughs> I, like I was just at that last Milwaukee game and watching that like Dame doesn't even look close to like ready at this point. And they would still they you could tell they could still walk into like forty points easily a night. Uh, just in, off that action. In, in I mean, yeah. yeah, like having to decide between, because like when you, with Giannis, so basically teams don't want to send two at the ball on the point guard. You have to send a health defender to tag that role, right? Almost any health defender in the NBA who is already guarding Giannis to bring another health defender in the NBA, that person's going to get destroyed by Giannis when he catches the ball and turns around. And like, and then they still have what Brook Lopez spacing and stuff like that. They could have Brook Lopez hiding by the basket uh, just giving Giannis the amount of freedom that he's going to have on the roll, playing next to Dame, or just letting Dame step into 15 or, three-pointers a night. That's the other option, right? Like, it's hey, just like – Seven looks – good looks at a three. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pick your poison where it's like – it's either like cyanide or cyanide, right? It's You're, you're going to get poisoned. <laughs> I love I, – I love – I'm excited about this, this season because of all of these questions, all of this stuff about Dame and, and Milwaukee and – and all Phoenix, Wembenyama, what what do you guys are you guys as jacked about this as I am? Like I feel like this is this is unusual for for this league to to have this kind of smoke this early at at the start at the actual start of the season, not Christmas Day when everybody pretends the season started. The actual starting day, it seems like there's a lot of attention on the league this year that there hasn't been in, in some time. I like the fact that there's some sleeper teams that we don't even talk about that maybe two years ago they were in the mix for the favorites, right? Like, like we don't even mention the Clippers anymore. No, like, they just like – You know what I'm saying? The Clippers is like, eh. <laughs> I mentioned that they can't trade for anybody. Does that count? Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, we've forgotten a bit about Denver. You know, yeah. it's like, yo, Denver's lurking. Like, uh, I still feel like – Man, if Cleveland could ever Cleveland's figure out how to score, they had like, a man, great offseason. Ascending, right? Like we, we were talking they had about a great offseason. To me, Needs that defines addressed. the league, right? Like it's yeah. those, like you got the stars, but it's those teams in the middle who could, yeah. like, really be good. And obviously, like one of the teams I felt like we 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 just sleep on, even though they give us the evidence. Sacramento, man, Sacramento is yeah. gonna be a problem. Yeah, uh, and. Yeah. I felt better about Memphis hanging around while Jaws out, but now Stevens Adams is now out. Now with Adams you know. out, I think they yeah, yeah now with Adams out, that feels that feels so much more done. They were they were good without Ja, yeah. but they had yeah. Adams and they could switch right. how they played. But now, like they might just be cooked. But there are just so many teams who yeah. will at minimum be interesting to watch. Right, I'll tell you, I'll give you another one. OKC is going to be up. In, they're going to be tough, man. Chet is nice, man. Like, that is really nice, you know. Yeah, that's him and, him and Shay team. together, my goodness. And wow. J Dub was so good too as a rookie; yes, like he could uh, take yes. another big lead. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, OKC. I mean, I wanted to put him in the playoffs. I'll put him in the playoffs now with Adams being hurt because I just think it's going to be tough. For, the West is so tough. Yeah, you somebody's have one bad out, injury. Yeah. You could yeah. be out. You know what I mean? And I think Stephen Adams being out for Memphis is going to be a big loss for them for the whole season. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's hard to overcome. Like fifty wins is going to be tough. Tough. I mean, last year Sacramento had forty eight and we're the third seed. Yeah. So yeah. Like, the West, man, it's it's just it's just a lot of teams out there to make you want to watch them and see what a lot of good ones. Like, I mean, who's possible? really bad out west? You can't even say San Antonio's bad now. Like San Antonio might win like thirty five games. San like Wemby's yeah. Wemby's that good defensively. Yeah. He had he had the he had the Warriors out there shook. They were looking like they were looking like nephews. That's what I was like. Right. <laughs> like Andrew Wiggins looked like a newborn baby trying to take a three. Yeah, it was scary, right? Yeah. San Antonio is going to cause a lot of problems. Just, I mean, they already just play hard, which is yeah, irritating. Yeah. Right? Like, so, and you know, Houston's yeah, going to be better now. I mean, I don't know how much better, but they're going to be better, you know, with better with Ime and with Fred there. And, and forget with about be Minnesota. Better. Like, yeah, yeah like, I mean, Minnesota's going to be, they, Carl played 29 games last year. You know, like he's, he's back now. They're going to be better. So it's, it's a, boy, it's tough, man. West is going to be tough. And we did we mention that like this to make your point about like how uh, how much hype there is for this season and just I guess how like kind of different the NBA is now. Did you even mention Phoenix in that whole list? Did not. <laughs> they, they, they have a like they have a big three and no one right. even like notices, right? Like they have three like all NBA guys. Those three guys can score ninety between yeah. the three of them every game. They will. They will. There'll be games where they each put up. You know what I mean? Game. Like it's not like I mean. Okay, so maybe maybe Beal scores twenty two. So so KD scores thirty five. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so yeah, no Phoenix is they just are there. They're just a, a, a you know they're gonna be. It's just the West is just ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. Seeing in preseason some of the guys that had to guard Bradley Beal and how easily he was just waltzing by them. Is like his third best defender now instead of yeah. the best hey, hey, the, the, <laughs> makes a bit of a difference. <laughs> the, I don't I don't even like this because it's normally not true, but watching them in preseason, it really was jarring. Like Phoenix is like, yo, <laughs> like just seeing them together, it was like, hey man, this is a problem. Like, just like you don't even know where to look. Like, no. where do your eyes go? No, you know, you like know. that's that's the difficult part. Like Really loaded, and then what they did with the rest of the roster is like watching them in preseason. It's like ah, they put together a team who's going to play defense. Then you see them on the court, you're like, hey, hold on, <laughs> like hold on, man, this is a lot. Wait a second, wait a second. And Brad is like cooking dudes off the dribble. Right. Like, oh wait, this might be actually a real thing. Like that's, right. Oh, that's, that's wild nice. to think about. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like. Wait, Dev, that's Devin Booker week side. You know what I mean? Like, oh, no. Like, what are we doing? You know? So, yeah, no, it's going to be they're, – they're, they're going to – I said this. They're going to score 160 on somebody this year. They just are because they're just – they have too much firepower. There's just too much – there's just too much. They got too many, too many weapons. And there's going to be one night when everybody's making a shot. That happens three or four times for every team in the league. Um, and they're going to – they're going to ring 160 up on somebody. It's just they are they are ridiculously good. Um, so, what is Jared? Give me one thing that could trip Boston up this year besides depth. We know that they you know the depth is an issue, but is there anything else that that can trip them up? 
I mean, like, obviously, Porzingis being hurt, that's like, that's whatever. We don't need to get into that. I would say Porzingis and touches, and Jalen Brown and touches, and I guess maybe even Tatum and touches. Like, is that, is everybody fine reducing their usage? And you got four guys that are all all star caliber players. They're all cool, but that they're not going to touch the ball as much as they want. Can they, and maybe they can. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, can they keep this offense? Flowing enough, can Missoula do a good job of being like in a timeout, being like we got to get this guy the ball, that guy the ball for a few possessions, um, and then can they figure that out in crunch time? I mean, a, a huge part of why they needed Porzingis was their crunch time offense has been really inconsistent in this kind of like JBJT era because they devolve into ISO and it's mostly you know off the bounce perimeter iso and not out of the posts you know stuff like that not out of like you know operating off the you know um top of the arc stuff like that it's a lot of guys just like out on the elbow trying to cross each other up and they're bringing in Porzingis so they have a post guy Tatum has been really playing out of the post they're trying to have more variety to their mm-hmm. offense so if that happens like they they can be the best team in the NBA if they get stale things can really fall apart See, my, my, my concern with them, as always, as great of a player as I think Marcus Smart is, like to me, and, you know, obviously I'm a bit like a lot of this cropped up during the 2022 finals, is they need somebody to just grab the ball and be like, yo, I got this. Here's what we're doing. Everybody calm down. <laughs> Everybody calm down. <laughs> and I, I feel like Drew is more of that guy than Marcus Smart. Because Marcus Smart, even though like he's obviously a smart, like an intelligent player and is a good point guard, like he does get emotionally wound up, and you can kind of lose yourself in that. But they need somebody who can, who can everybody be cool. And I wonder, like Drew Holiday is such a good dude that I feel like he's gonna win them over in that way, right? But that, but he still has to do it. And and tatum and, and and brown like these dudes have been in these moments man they're comfortable with the rock they they feel so good about what they can do right rightfully so right <laughs> Drew just say hey everybody be easy i got the ball we're gonna run this and this, this is how we're gonna roll like i got this trust me so if 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 drew can be that for them to me that that's like the if they had that, they'd probably have two championships now. It's just mm. that little bit of difference. Like, mm. like don't Jalen, there's not the time to go ISO and drive left. Like, <laughs> like yo, give me the rock. Everybody come on. That's what they needed. That's what they needed when it was against Steph. And Steph's going crazy. It's like, all right, everybody, we good. Like, no antics, no silly stuff. We're just going to play good defense. We're going to play smart basketball. If they just let Drew be that for them, because Drew is a good dude. And he like they'll love him enough to where it'd be like, all right, Drew, we got you. To me, that's 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 the difference between a championship and not for them. But that's why I feel good about the Celtics. Because man, if that's the case, if you got Tatum and you got Brown and you got KP and you got somebody who could play point guard, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's that's gotta be exciting. But to me, that's the only thing to trip them up. If Drew, if they don't, if they end up not having that, then it's gonna be. Who's got who's got the last shot? You had it last time. I got it this time. <laughs> They're all so capable, which is the problem, right? Like normally in this situation, it's clear who don't want the ball and who does. Jared, you've seen it, right? Where it's like, yeah, you good until it's time with the game. They got dudes who've like really hit them shots and really, yeah. you know, like so it's like, yo, yo, Tatum, you really can do it. Jalen Brown, right. you really can do it. So what did Tatum? What did Tatum say after Game Six? Humbly, I'm one of the best basketball players in the world. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he really paused on that humbly, though. You know, he really emphasized that humbleness before he said that. I mean, if there's a way to declare your greatness humbly, like that's how you do it. Well, <laughs> one, one thing I'll give JT credit for there was like this clip that went viral years back where he said, uh, like, whenever I have a fresh cut, I'm top five. And then, like, uh, he was talking to Javante Green. Javante Green goes, top five what? And he goes, I don't know, top five. And ever since Tatum has gotten more, like, gotten, like, a fresh lineup more frequently, especially before a game, he's been, like, top five in MVP voting every year. So I think there's a direct correlation to his haircuts and his performance. Hey, Deion Sanders said, look good, feel good, feel good, play good. Exactly. You feel me? It's the lineup. Yeah, wrong. All right, most important thing, what you getting for dinner tonight, Jay? Oh, sushi amakase. I'm in New York, baby. We're going to sushi. sushi. No question. Man, I ain't had sushi in a minute. Marcus, you had sushi? When last time you had some sushi? Yeah, I'm in California. Of course I had sushi. <laughs> it's, like, it's like on a breakfast menu. It's like a Tuesday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we do we do sushi out here. It's part of it. It's, part of Man, it. it's, it's one of those meals that tastes really good, but you also feel like this ain't a burger, so I'm good. You know, I'm eating right. seaweed, bro. Like, come on, you gotta cut me some slack if I'm eating seaweed. Get one of those a week, you good. I can't get down with the seaweed, man. I can't, I can't rock with it. You know. Yes, you can, man. You can just no. put like some shrimp on top of it or some crab or something. Some tuna. Put some, put some hot sauce put on some it. Hot you sauce, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Jay, thank you for jumping in, man. Appreciate it. Always love having you on anytime, bro. And uh, stay safe out there. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you. All right, y'all. Hey, what's that five. behind you, by the way? Oh, yeah. Who's behind you, bro? <laughs> the thirst. The thirst is real. <laughs> uh, y'all leave that five-star review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get this fine American podcast. Marcus, my man, if they can't leave the five stars, what do they need to do? Keep it to yourself, you haters. We're going to make you listen to DA list all of the former Wizards who turned out to be all, good. All of them. That, that's, that's about two hours right there of just listing names. <laughs> Kelly Oubre. <laughs> <laughs> What's my man in Brooklyn? Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> right, we should literally have a segment of you just saying highlight the former Wizard of the Week. <laughs> Peace out, y'all. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.